Good morning, and thank you for starting your day with a six-pack, the Scotty Six-Pack, the only podcast that's bringing you the top stories in Wisconsin sports every single day. Plus, we do it in less time than it takes to complete your morning commute. I'm your host, Kedrick Summers, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kedrick Summers and follow the podcast at Scotty Six-Pack to get the latest updates in Wisconsin sports. Yesterday was a sneaky big day in Wisconsin sports. So we got a lot to cover here, uh, and we're going to try to get through it as quickly as we can. But we're going to start with the first game of the day, uh, which was the Milwaukee Brewers laying an egg against the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field. Um, I feel a little bit bad that we gassed up the Milwaukee Brewers season opener quite a bit by talking a lot of baseball, by talking so far as spring training to the actual debut to... Brewer stories that surfaced just uh, a couple of days ago about players all the way back in 2018 to talking about minor league baseball really, really gassed up the Milwaukee Brewers just for them to go out and look pretty miserable in game one. However, game one of 162 is a whopping 0.6% of the season, so let's not make any rash conclusions about the Milwaukee Brewers going forward yet but uh oof a 4-0 loss to the Chicago Cubs uh the Brewers actually have an off day today due to the somewhat staggered schedule of the uh Major League Baseball opening day opening week opening weekend shenanigans uh but the Brewers got shut out and really it all went to heck during the disastrous third inning uh in which the Brewers left Runners in scoring position after uh, Ray Telez hit into a double play that ended the inning. And then the bottom of the third inning had defensive errors, a couple of them by Willie Adamas, of course. Um, but it, it was a tough day in Chicago, a cold day in Chicago, and didn't look great. Bryce Terang had his first major league hit on his first at-bat of the day. And then it got worse again. Uh, Luis Urias suffered a... In a apparent hamstring injury in the ninth inning uh, of course when the game was out of hand uh basically barring a miraculous comeback that did not appear during the game uh he suffered that hamstring injury it's going to get evaluated further in, in milwaukee today on the off day according to manager craig council so we'll see what that looks like going forward not a great start to the brewer season but 161 more games to go and uh sure the Brewers will lose some more between now and then. They'll win a lot more between now and then. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Otherwise, in other games that I really gassed up yesterday, the Milwaukee Bucks, after I gassed them up, just looked gassed yesterday uh, against the Boston Celtics, losing by a whopping 41 points. Just brutal. A brutal performance in a game where Milwaukee had the opportunity uh, to then go forward and clinch the number one seed with either any additional win or any additional Celtics loss in the last five games of the season. Now, only two games separate the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics with five games to go, and the Celtics have the tiebreaker. Uh, so that's a really big development here, where this could have been a really big runaway in you know, a, a relative sense compared to where the Milwaukee Bucks are now moving forward. Uh, and that that's tough going forward. The Milwaukee Bucks will be off 
today. We'll be off tomorrow uh, before playing the 76ers on Sunday. But Giannis was asked uh, about his concern if the Bucs had to face the Celtics in the playoffs altogether. And Giannis said, if you don't play hard, if you don't go out there to make it tough for them, they're going to kick our ass. Simple as that. It's up to us to see how we're going to deal with it. And Giannis was probably the toughest on the Bucs in, in those kind of remarks post-game compared to other, other folks. You know, Drew Holiday talked about, oh, well, the playoffs is a different scenario. It allows us to get more locked into one team, locked into schemes, locked in mentally. Um, head coach Mike Budenholzer was asked after the game, um, do you kind of forget this game and throw it out or do you obsess over it and his answer was well you don't do either of those things which like yeah i i agree you have to take some stock into the game uh but you should make it the end all be all right but it's like well i, I don't like the way that question was asked uh but it was overall just a good way to get him to just be able to give you a middling answer and, and then he didn't really say much beyond that but Giannis was absolutely the toughest on the bucks after this game uh just being told we don't go out and play hard, uh, they're going to kick our ass. And that's what happened with the Bucks here. It looked like they did not play particularly hard. The Celtics did a really great job just keeping Giannis out of the paint. Giannis settled for what felt like a lot of three-point shots. Um, and I don't know if that was because the Bucks were behind and behind early and behind big early that Giannis felt he had to take some big shots to try to get them back into it, which is, of course, a sentiment I understand, uh, but it's just not how Giannis plays his game. And I ultimately, uh, it's stunk hearing, gosh, just how Reggie Miller eats up this Boston Celtics team. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a guy who likes to rag on uh, announcers very often. I think there are a lot of Packers fans who have, uh, a lot of resentment towards Troy Aikman in particular in the way that he commentates uh, Packers games, standing back to his time uh, with Fox. I've never been that guy. Uh, I, I don't think there's really many folks in sports who do uh, a bad job of trying to keep their biases, whether it be just sheer fandom or their time as a player, you know, and those biases out of their play-by-play play out of their color commentary by and large i think guys in the booth are really good at that and uh women in the booth are good at that too um overall though gosh reggie miller really could not hide the fact that he is just enamored with this version of the boston celtics uh and that was tough tier throughout the night and i think what was lost in a lot of this if it's you know yana saying if you don't play hard if it's reggie miller loving the Boston Celtics it's that this was the Bucks' fifth game in five days the Bucks have played back-to-backs in the past week twice and there was this game tonight where the Bucks played the Indiana Pacers of course last night and then had to play the Celtics tonight in a huge game in a televised game nationally televised game I should say and then early at the end of uh, last week Bucks played the Jazz and then the Nuggets, who are the first place team in the West, a potential NBA Finals preview. And that's just, look, I'm going to put my gripes aside about how these games were scheduled because, and although this was 
way before I started doing this podcast, uh, I remember looking over the Bucks schedule and having some gripes with it, with the way that these back-to-backs uh, were structured. The Bucks, you know, also played the Nets on back-to-backs, I think twice this season. Uh, and of course, that being decided before we knew uh, the Nets, as we know, knew them were going to be blown up entirely. But it's just dumb scheduling by the NBA. Not even necessarily for, like, oh, the Bucks got the short end of the sick reasons. Just for, like, you want to showcase Giannis versus Jason Tatum. You want to showcase Giannis versus Jokic. And we didn't get the best versions of those matchups in these games in the past week. And we did get to see um, Giannis versus Jason Tatum earlier in the season. But the one other time we had Giannis versus the Nuggets, we didn't get Giannis versus Jokic because the Nuggets were on a back-to-back. It's just poor scheduling by the NBA, of course. And uh, there's a lot of reasons why the NBA is down in ratings pretty significantly from last season but (laughs) it's certainly another one here that doesn't help you moving forward if you are uh commissioner adam silver or their tv punkers overall uh let's move on to some more positive which is the university of wisconsin has hired its next hockey coach it is the 14th coach of the wisconsin men's hockey program and it is Mike Hastings, which means that for, for those who don't know college hockey, don't know hockey generally, I'm going to walk you through this hire in a lot of detail and make it as accessible and make it as accessible as I can, because this is a fantastic hire. This is the Luke Fickle of college hockey hire, which I guess is not surprising that Chris McIntosh was able to make. And the difference here between this and Luke Fickle is that this hire, this one didn't come out of nowhere. It was speculated basically from the beginning that Mike Hastings could be a real candidate for this job. But it was not something that I think was widely expected, that was not widely reported until it really started circulating uh, around this morning. And Mike Hastings, who is coming over after his tenure as the head coach of the Minnesota State man, Cato Mavericks, has a resume that includes students as an assistant at uh, St. Cloud, where he went to school and had his career cut short by injury, his playing career cut short by injury. So he's former assistant at St. Cloud, former assistant at Minnesota and Nebraska Omaha, and an assistant in the USHL, uh, a junior hockey league with the Omaha Lancers. He was also a head coach with the Omaha Lancers, and then eventually a head coach at Minnesota State for the last 11 seasons, dating back to the 2012-2013 season. At Minnesota State, Mike Hastings won the past six straight conference regular season titles. Mike Hastings won six straight conference regular season titles. That's incredible. He also made two of the last three Frozen Fours. Before the season, he made back-to-back Frozen Fours. And last season, that included a loss in the national championship game. Mike Hastings turned Minnesota State Mankato around. This was not a successful program when Mike Hastings took it over. When Mike Hastings took over the Mankato program, it only had one winning season 
in its last nine, and won only 12 games in the season before Hastings' arrival. In Hastings' first season with the Mavericks, he doubled that 12-win total, winning 24 games in his first season, and brought Minnesota State to only its second NCAA tournament appearance ever. Minnesota State only had one NCAA tournament appearance prior to 2013, and it joined Division I in 1996. Then, Minnesota State has missed the NCAA tournament only twice in the 10 seasons in which it was held under Mike Hastings. Of course, that being the fact that uh, Mike Hastings was there for 11 seasons, but there was no tournament in 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So, Athletic Director Chris McIntosh hired a head coach with a track record of turning a program around, maxing it out, and then getting that coach to make the jump to a school at the University of Wisconsin with more resources than the place in which he came. Does that sound awfully familiar to anybody listening to this? Uh, that's that's Luke Fickle. That's Luke Fickle to a T. That is the Luke Fickle hire of college hockey. Luke Fickle joined the University of Cincinnati as its head coach after it went 4-8 and eight, and then took it to the playoff and then went to Wisconsin. This is the Chris McIntosh formula. We can all only hope so far that it works out. So far, the results off of the football field look like it's going to be successful. We'll see what the hockey offseason makes things look like. Uh, for Mike Hastings and the University of Wisconsin men's hockey team. But I think the other unique reason uh, that this is a Chris McIntosh hire to a T is that Hastings also has no ties to the University of Wisconsin. Uh, Lou Fickle, of course, had no ties to the University of Wisconsin. This is off the beaten path for UW to go outside the family, as it were. And McIntosh is not afraid to do it, uh, which is... I guess refreshing to see. Uh, I think let's get a change of pace. Let's see what works. I think clearly McIntosh has uh, a way that he desires to go about things here. And overall, even though Mike Hastings has no ties to Wisconsin, Chris McIntosh was able to lure him to Madison with Big Ten money. Uh, Mike Hastings is going to be making $700,000 next year. That's $100,000 more than Tony Granato was making when he was the head coach of the Wisconsin men's hockey program. And Hastings gets $25,000 raises each year of his five-year contract to start. To compare that to Hastings' job with Minnesota State, his contract with Minnesota State was less than half of that $700,000 $700, in moving up uh, because his man maximum annual value was $350,000. You can say what you want about the elimination of traditions, traditional rivalries, traditional conferences, what have you. But conference realignment and these massive TV, TV deals for conferences like the Big Ten are good for the Badgers. And the biggest part of that is that the Big Ten Hockey Conference, which has had a tough go of it since its advent, since those programs left WCHA, like Wisconsin, and the other conferences around the Midwest, uh, that period of those teams having a tough go in the Big Ten may be coming to an end. Uh, every team aside from Wisconsin, was really competitive this year in the Big Ten. And most were ranked nearly all uh, minus Wisconsin and Notre Dame, made the NCAA tournament. Uh, and with all of this football money 
coming in through these TV contracts to the Big Ten, these schools are going to make a lot of money that they can spend not just on football, but can also spend on hockey. And that's why Wisconsin was able to double up Mike Hastings' compensation. Beyond the fact of the compensation, Hastings, when asked, you know, why Wisconsin, his answer was simple. It's Wisconsin. I'm somebody that's chased a puck around a rink for a long time, and I just believe it's a special place. This is a blue blood program, and nobody really remembers that, and no, it's not going to be the University of Michigan with its, I don't even know how many national championships, Uh, but this is a very proud Wisconsin hockey program that is going to win national championships again in my lifetime. I sure as heck hope so, because this is a program that has won six national championships, including one in my lifetime, and uh, Hastings is tasked with bringing the Badgers back to that again. Uh, Elsewhere around the coal sector is a Wisconsin men's basketball transport announcement. Jordan Davis has entered the transfer portal. Of course, Jordan Davis being the twin brother of Johnny Davis, who is uh, now with the Washington Wizards after being an NBA draft lottery pick last season after a breakout season with Wisconsin in his sophomore year. Uh, Jordan Davis, the lacrosse native, is on his way out of the program. And it's clear that he's just looking for more minutes elsewhere. He got stuck, according uh, to Evan Flood of 24-7 Sports. He had his exit meeting after the season with uh, Greg Gard and his staff, and it was very cordial, but uh, Jordan Davis wanted to leave. He just wants more minutes somewhere else. He wants more minutes, wants to be able to make the most of his time in college, and wants uh, to expand his role on a Division One team. This, this season, he averaged 21 minutes per game, which was up really significantly from 6.5 minutes per game in 2022. But Jordan Davis started the year as a starter and then lost his starting role to Connor Sejan. Jordan Davis, who doesn't really run the point, who is not big enough to be a forward, uh, he's, he's a shooter. And ultimately, that role was supplanted by Connor Sejan, who is better at filling that role than Jordan Davis was. So... I think ultimately this does not come as a surprise. Uh, it's I don't think this is something where, although I know that the great guard haters are going to do this, I think it is unjustified for great guard haters to come up and say, oh, see, you can't keep your in-state talent. You're losing this kid. You're losing the brother of a guy who was an NBA draft pick. You can't even keep him on the roster, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's not what this is. Jordan Davis had a skill has a skill, and he just doesn't have that skill up to snuff to the same way that somebody else on the roster does. And you can't blame a guy in Division One college basketball 2023 who decides to go and seek opportunities elsewhere because of that. Um, going on to other athletic programs in Madison, we talked a lot about the uh, <laughs> Chris McIntosh hire uh, for hockey, being the Luke Fickle of college hockey. Now let's actually talk about Wisconsin football, uh, where we get the Luke Fickle of Luke Fickle, uh, where we've had our third Wisconsin football spring practice uh, underway this week. Uh, yesterday, the Badgers practice for the third time since last Saturday. And there's a, a couple of really solid notes that I think we've seen from spring practice this these 
first few days overall. And I think first is just a note overall on what we're seeing in the air raid offense, uh, which is a lot of install by new offensive coordinator Phil Longo for a short yardage passing game. Uh, there have been a lot of slants and lots of flat passes thrown during the first few days of practice. And Tanner Mordecai, the transfer from SNU, is taking all the first team reps. And then Braden Locke, the transfer from Mississippi State, is taking nearly all the second team reps. This is, I think, a little bit surprising. I think we expected uh, Nick Evers, the transfer from Oklahoma, who was very highly touted, the first of these very highly recruited quarterbacks to commit to Wisconsin to, to get more snaps. I think we really expected Braden Locke and Nick Evers to compete um, a little bit more overall, a little bit more intensely for the second spot on the quarterback depth chart. But right now, it looks like Braden Locke is really in the driver's seat for that. Although I don't think that's entirely that surprising uh, because Braden Locke, of course, coming from Mississippi State, uh, of course, coming from uh, a system run by the late uh, Mike Leach, being the air raid, which should look pretty similar to what Finn Longdon does here, being a l little bit more polished a talent than Nick Evers is. He's, he's in, Nick Evers is an incredible athlete, uh, but he's a little bit more raw than Locke is. Uh, and so I guess it's not all too surprising to see Locke being in the driver's seat for the backup role uh, as the quarterback this season, but I don't think that means necessarily that Locke is going to absolutely be the starting quarterback with Wisconsin next season after Tanner Mordecai has exhausted his remaining eligibility. The, uh, the other position of note overall uh, is the offensive line. I think the offensive line is one of the deepest position groups on the Wisconsin Badgers football team so far, uh, but the first and second units for the offensive line got a little bit of a shakeup in this third spring practice that was held yesterday. Uh, Jake Renfro, who was Luke Fickle's center, center at Cincinnati, moved to the second string group after starting uh, at center with the ones for the first two practices, while Tanner Bordellini took snaps at center uh, with the first group. Bordellini struggled a little bit, uh, snapping ball in particular, according to a report by Badger Extra. Uh, so I think it's probably more likely that he ships back out to guard where he was before, uh, today, Trey Wedig shifted into Bordelines' guard role. So let's top off the six-pack real quick here with the sixth story here. This is not necessarily a Wisconsin sports story, but uh, I will be attending the Arizona Coyotes home game against the Dallas Stars tonight at Mullet Arena. As I mentioned in yesterday's uh, podcast, I am sitting here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and uh, the Coyotes are what's next on my list for my attempt to join Club 124. Of course, Club 124 being a list of people who have attended a home regular season or playoff game for every team in the uh, NHL, MLB, NFL, and NBA. And this will be my 17th arena overall and my sixth NHL arena. This will actually be my third new NHL arena of the season after previously attending uh, a couple of games earlier this year uh, at uh, American Airlines Center to see the Dallas Stars play back in October and then at uh, Ball Arena to see the 
Colorado Avalanche back in December. Uh, but this is one of the most unique experiences in professional sports overall right now, not just in the NHL, because the Arizona Coyotes were forced to move into Mullet Arena, which is actually the arena owned by the Arizona State Sun Devils hockey team. Uh, they were forced to move into Mullet Arena when the city of Glendale did not renew the lease for the Coyotes at their previous arena at which they uh, played before. But now that gives the Coyotes an incredibly unique experience overall for fans because they're playing an arena with a 5,000 seat capacity. This is incredibly small for a major uh, sports team in the United States, uh, which makes this a hot ticket. Uh, it makes these tickets now more expensive on average to get in than it is for other NHL games, when in the past it was pretty dang cheap to get into uh, Arizona Coyotes game. Uh, but now, despite that upper get-in price, they are able to do really cool things engaging with the Arizona State uh, student community, including selling $25 student section tickets. And there's no upper level of the Serena. This is a, a small bowl with 5,000 seats. And although the get-in price is more expensive, uh, I'll be sitting in section 110 on the blue line, just four rows off the class, or cheaper than I basically thought possible in an NHL game because you know what if you're sitting four rows off the glass there's not a lot four rows behind you uh so that makes that ticket quite a bit cheaper than uh, it would be it's although getting in to the arena is a premium that premium inflation moving toward uh the ice just isn't as significant because there's just less room to move up overall uh so I'll be attending this game tonight and of course uh I got my tickets on TickPick uh, this isn't an ad. This is just a service I love, and I want you to save money on your next ticket purchase. So when you use TickPick, you will never pay service or delivery fees like you will on other ticket selling apps, and it comes with a best price guarantee. If you find a better price somewhere else for the same ticket, TickPick will refund you twice the difference in credit toward your next purchase. Plus, if you lose, use my link in the podcast description, you're going to save $10 on your first order. So download the TickPick app today. Get your tickets to the few Bucks home games that are remaining. Get your tickets to uh, one of the upcoming, uh, what's this, uh, 81 Brewers home games. Uh, and use the link in this podcast description to get $10 off your first order. So that's going to be all for today's edition of the Scotty Six Pack. Follow us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts to start every day with everything you need to know in Wisconsin sports. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Kendrick Stubberis, on Wisconsin, Go Brewers, and Bucks in Six.